So um, if you go on the website, this is what the core value for faithful and worship says. So it's going to kind of read it off to you. It says, consistently meeting together as the body of Christ is a biblical imperative. The corporate worship setting includes, but it isn't limited to, four important elements. Worship through song, the reading of scripture, prayer, and the preaching of God's word. This corporate environment, that's what this is, prompts a deeper relationship with God and fellow believers through the exaltation of Christ by the people of God. The local church, it's us, it's a microcosm of the universal church, and the shadow of the consummated kingdom of God is the chosen medium through which God's people listen together. And then there's another sentence that says, as those who are called to not forsake the meeting together, the corporate worship setting is a crucial aspect of the Christian life that cannot be ignored. Regularly and consistently engaging the body of Christ in corporate worship edifies, encourages, and builds up the body. So I broke this down into kind of three parts today. The first one is called prepare and exalt an expectation. Second, we gather in joy. And the third is we respond. So there are three elements to this corporate gathering, and we choose to do it on Sundays, typically Sunday morning. There are three elements to this, as you can see. There's a, there's a preparation element, then there's an actual the gathering piece, and then there's always a response. Now, over the years, uh, I've learned, I'm just going to say this is frankly, it's been a little bit of a challenge. Because for the first time, uh, it really, thinking back even to when I was a missionary with Kip, you know, except for very few occasions, I think this is the first time in my life, and I'm um, that uh, we actually, uh, every Sunday, come in and there's a setting up component, there's a putting together everything, and it's kind of a logistical deal, and it's been like, I've had to really coordinate that carefully because it really affects my, my preparation. So you're like, here's what I mean. Typically, like when we have a regular meeting place that we call our own and everything's kind of there, um, the worship team will come in typically early. We'll have a season just alone. And the Lord's presence is preparing our hearts. We'll pray together. Maybe some will read scripture. And then we'll begin a rehearsal, but even that rehearsal is really not so much to, to practice, maybe it'll remind us of some things, but it, but it really is to continue to bring us into the presence of the Lord. And I just have to tell you, when logistics become a part of that, that can really distract. And so I, I personally just had to work really, really diligently to make sure that when I come in, my heart's prepared in a good place, which is why sometimes when you come in, you may not even see me. That's the case. I'm not trying to be antisocial. I'm just trying to make sure I'm tracking the Lord. So that preparation is really, really important. And so I just talked about this. And the first under preparing expectation, the first little point is that I was just talking about is intentionality. Preparation can't just happen. We have to be intentional. If we're not intentional, frankly, I mean, if we're not intentional about everything in life. 
doesn't just happen most of the time. And worship's no different. Now, you're going to see this again in community groups this week. So I'll, I'll read this little sentence. The Lord put on my heart, I, I wrote, there's no such thing as neutral activity. All our weekly activity will be carried out either in the light of the gospel or the darkness of the world. Coming to worship with intentionality enables us to sort through the week behind us and prepare for the week ahead as we create margin for the Lord and speak to our hearts. So here's what I mean by everything that we do, every moment of every day, it is a journey. And that journey is not just neutral. I mean, even that might seem neutral, like brushing your teeth is neutral. Yeah, but what's your heart full of? What's your mind full of? What goes on in, in your heart and mind, even on the activities that seem kind of neutral? We really have purposefulness all around us, and we have to consider that as part of our day. So when we come together, part of that preparation is saying, Lord, what, what was this past week all about? This struggle, or this joy, or this event, or this circumstance? What were you trying to say to me? Or, praise or thank you for doing that but then settling that and asking the question what's coming up what's in the week ahead if we don't create that margin for that to happen boy we'll just go week to week to week and I don't know about you guys but one of the things I hope that, that we can really deal with here uh, over time with Buffalo City Church and our corporate gatherings um, historically in the American church Sunday morning happens. Everyone gets up and gets ready. It's a bad rush around the house. You get kids ready. Everyone gets in the cars. More times than not, there's a little strife, a little bit of oil. People are getting here. The boats come out. Oh, we got to get our faith. And there's this kind of hustle and bustle that goes place that takes place in that. So my question is, where is the margin of all of that? So that when you get here, it's not kind of like, oh, we made it. Sit down. Okay, what do you have for us? That, that attitude, that what do you have for us? That's perhaps one of the most dangerous things that we can bring with us in worship. That, that kind of thoughtless, oh, thank God I made it up here, now let's go through our routine. That can really work against us as we're going to see. Consistency is the second point. And I just mentioned, I hope over time, cultivate within the heart of our church and understanding of how and why we gather the consistency of that. I wrote, consistency in our attendance to worship gathering provides a spiritual anchor for our hearts. It's the rare individual who can remain aloof from the worship gathering and not experience some degree of spiritual God's design, uh, God has designed us to be part of as a body is incomplete without all of its parts, so we I remember when we went to college and I had the privilege of going from the west coast of Florida up to Birmingham, Alabama, and my wife, who wasn't my wife, we both attended, and I remember that first semester of my freshman year. Now you got to remember, I grew up in church, we did the whole thing, and we, we went to church, but we didn't. We didn't get grounded in a church right away. It was like we visited around, you know, we were like talking Birmingham, Alabama. So it was a Baptist church on the 
probably had a whole train load of buses every week coming to pick up the college students and take them to church. Well, that first semester we went for the first time in my life. You know, that I, I wasn't going to, be, to, to fill a role. I wasn't singing in a choir. My dad wasn't the pastor. I wasn't involved in the Sunday school doing any of that. I just was going to go. And I thought about three weeks into that, I thought, I got a lot of homework. Likeness 
of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Thank you, Brother Howard. So our Savior had this attitude, this humility, this selflessness. This is, this is critically important because I promise you guys um, that from time to time, you're going to encounter a message that doesn't really resonate with you. And just your mind can't keep track. Maybe that's happening to you this morning. Or you're going to hear a song you don't particularly care for. Or you're going to bump across someone who kind of rubs you the wrong way. What's their problem today? Kind of thing. Or, or, or there's just a distraction that might be irritating. I mean, for some of you here today, just being in here might be a distraction. All of those kinds of things will take their proper place in our hearts if we remember that we come in selflessness. You know, we just we let that go. So the preparation piece is really, really important. Now, the second uh, point in this whole thing, gathering and joy, we're going to go through some scripture here. So if you would uh, turn to Hebrews chapter 10, you'll find that. That's a, a, a few books after Philippians. Maybe 20 pages or so of your Bible. And, uh, and then when you get to Hebrews, go to chapter 10. So we talked about the preparation. The preparation and, uh, and the coming expectancy selflessness, but what about when we gather? Well, we're to gather in joy. There it is. The first point is to encourage. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. We'll look at that. And I'll read these verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith with our hearts, sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, in our bodies, conscience rather, in our bodies, washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day growing here. So what are some of the ways, and just shout it out, what are some of the ways we can encourage each other when we come on Sunday? This doesn't have to be real complicated for you guys. What are some simple ways we can encourage? Yeah, a smile, exactly. Just smile at something. What, what else? What else can we do? Personal greeting? Yeah. Greet one another. You don't brother name introduce yourself. What else? Listen. Listen. That's good. If you like how they're dressed, tell them. as we get to know each other better, we have to know each other's struggles in the overall. So, how's that going? Oh, it's been a tough week. Well, I mean, can I pray for you? Pray for that person. You know, all of that's part of the encouragement. Secondly, we gather, of course, to worship. And I love this, this passage. If you'll go to Kalish, uh, Kalash, Kalash, 
Colossians chapter 3, Colossians 3. And I need someone to read Colossians 3, verses 15 through 17.
recognize there are all different kinds of temperaments. Some people get energized being around people. I'm kind of that way. I know that Emily's that way, you know. There are others, frankly, that being around people, it kind of taxes and really draws energy from them. You know, that takes a lot of work. Regardless of your temperament, though, God still gives us each other, and that's probably the body. So then the, the final point in this whole thing before we move to communion is we talked about the preparation okay, of, the, of the gathering. We prepare an expectation. We gather in joy to encourage worship and growth. Finally, our response. We respond in obedience. As I've just thought through that, you know, as, as the Lord has taught me throughout my life about obedience, there are two or three things that, that, that come to mind. First, we obey obedience. The Holy Spirit prompts your heart with something there sometimes can be a temptation to put it off. We do that at our own peril. Um, when we're faced with a conviction he knows from the Holy Spirit, we must act To put off doing something you are certain the Lord is prompting you to do means risking disobedience in God's displeasure and potentially missing out on the blessing God intends for you. Disobedience will eventually harden your heart to the Lord's voice and desensitize you to the presence of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, obey gladly. And those of you that have, you've had have young children probably get this. A grudging, petulant attitude stems from selfishness, excuse me, stems from the selfishness and willful pride that God opposes. Those humble in spirit follow Christ's example and behavior and truly understand the importance of obedience. Our very life depends on Christ's voice in God's word. Finally, we obey humbly. And that kind of goes hand in hand with gladly. I wrote a um, I wrote that um, oh you know what I did? I, I wrote uh, I, I wrote okay just I wrote the wrong point on the wrong day. So we, I'm gonna read this again. Um, the second point is obey gladly. Obey gladly. I'm gonna read this again because it's really important. And, and, and I'm going to read this again in the context of obeying gladly. Grudging obedience has no place in life of man. The Lord searches and knows the thoughts and intents of our heart. His attitude is his desire is a willing and tender spirit that responds in faith and gladness, ready to do the master's will. His blessing follows those who obey with whole heart. And I always believe there's a reason for something happening. I didn't mean to get these points mixed up, so maybe someone really needs to listen. The second point of obedience is to obey gladly. Grudging obedience has no place in the life of the Lord searches and knows and the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. And his desire is a, a willing and tender spirit that responds to the Lord in faith and in gladness, ready to do his bidding. And his blessing always follows those who obey with a whole heart. And then this last one that I, that I misplaced, this is obeying humbly. A grudging and petulant, pouty attitude stems from selfishness and willful pride. And the Bible said God says that God opposes those things. And I wrote those humble in spirit, follow Christ's example and behavior, and really understand the importance of obedience. Our very life 
point in Scripture and a way of life for the disciple of Jesus Christ. Obedience enables us to walk in God's continuing, abiding presence. There are certain aspects of obedience which we revolve around Christian character and are clearly mentioned in Scripture and are shared by all believers. Other aspects of obedience are aimed at our individual unique circumstances and may not necessarily apply to others who share a similar circumstance. This is one reason why we don't judge each other. I want to unpack that a little bit. So this is this is the essence of that. Scripture is pretty clear on how we behave. It talks about the relations of the fruit of the Spirit as opposed to the desires, the desires of the flesh. And if we read the life of Christ, we can read the, the Beatitudes, and we have a sense of what Christian conduct looks like. Those are, those are constants. Those aren't fatal. And, and there's an expectation that we walk in those. Now, we all struggle with those. I struggle with them. I have to repent from time to time. And I get caught up in an attitude or an action that I know isn't pleasing the Lord. But, but there's another piece of obedience that's really important. And that's when it's not about a character type of deal, but it's, it's more of an action. Like if we know the Lord is stirring our hearts to do something, and we kind of resist that and we don't do it, that's disobedience. And, and it really has all kind of interesting ramifications. For example, the Lord may impress upon Larry, Larry, you need to wear this red baseball cap every Tuesday. Okay? And So, so Larry gets convicted, and after a few weeks, we get, begins to wear this hat on, on Tuesdays. So, a few weeks goes by, and, and, and Larry's like, well, Levi wearing a hat. It's Tuesday. Levi should be wearing his hat. Yeah, and he's not. Why is, why is it that? And so, we're, we're like, okay. Um, all of a sudden, Larry begins to have this attitude because... Levi or Dan or Nick or anybody might just not be wearing a hat, but what Larry's doing is projecting something that the Lord is giving ahead on the somebody else and letting an expectation that that should be there. Folks, I've been in church for a long, long time. That's one of the most main causes for uh, disturbances and strife and disunity and division in church body. When the Lord is moved in a certain way in a person's life, and all of a sudden we make this the rule and everybody's expected to kind of do this, we can, we can get into real trouble. So remember, aspects of obedience. Some are character-driven, some are action-driven. The action-driven ones, a lot of times, are for us, what we do out of obedience and love of the Father. So, we've talked about, we'll go on to the next slide, instead of just finally just our core values were to prepare an expectation, gather in joy, respond in obedience. And I wrote here when our worship gatherings are characterized by expectation and joy and obedience, we can be certain of the Lord's presence in our midst and His blessing on our time of fellowship. Such gatherings will attract those who are seeking Savior like a moth is attracted to a land where there's nothing this world can provide. The 
with the Lord, nothing that can compare to the Lord's presence in the midst of his people. Thank you. 